Hello, welcome. Sad news today. Mr. Ivan Irwin passed away this morning. He was 91 years old. He's a friend of our families, and he was a really, really sweet man. He always had nice stories to say. He was always one with a firm handshake. Um, just a good person, and I'm glad I had him on the show. And he was on the show three, four years ago on episode 10. So what I'd like to do is honor one of the nicest, friendliest souls. My condolences to the family and friends. I uh, I hope, you know, I hope you find solace in the fact that living to 91 years old is a very, very important thing here. And, uh, and we all loved him and we wish you well. And here it is, the episode that we did, Mr. Ivan Irwin. Rest in peace, sir. Okay, thank you very kindly. Much appreciated. I get a chance to talk for a change. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Ivan? Are you saying you're not allowed to talk? What are you saying? So let's go back to the early, early days of Ivan, because I have known you for 30 years, but you had a whole other life. Well, Way back in the days, like when were you born? Well, I was born in Chicago to start with, and my parents were Canadian, and my father just happened to be uh, working there at the time, and uh, I was taken back into Canada basically when I was, well, even before I was a year old. And I've lived out west most of my life, and uh, that I was very, a little like Gordie Howe. I lived uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba, all the provinces. Was this for hockey? This is before hockey. Before hockey as a child. Yeah. So you moved around a lot. Oh, yes. I went to eight eight different public schools. And, uh, well, a lot of one-room schoolhouses. Mm -hmm. uh, My first, when I was seven, I rode my horse to school. Uh, That'll give you an idea of what it was like at that time. (laughs) What was Uh, your horse's name? Didn't have a name. Didn't have a name. Oh, but wow. I had to wear, uh, ride on their back. I didn't have saddles. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and what, that, what, era, what sort of year was this around? This would uh, be uh, in the 30s. The 30s, yeah. Yeah. When I was, I think, uh, when I was 11, I think I had my own dog team, basically, living 90 miles east of Prince Albert and south of Flin Flon and little town called White Fox and uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, we had the snowplow go through we were on Trans Canada Highway and the snowplow went through one year and that, that was the last we saw it <laughs> <laughs> once once <laughs> oh boy so it was a very small town and how, well, how, big, how many people lived in that town approximately I'd say probably around 200 200 people yeah and that and uh, we went back, uh, Peg took me back, uh, basically uh, on a trip down memory lane, and uh, we uh, were on, in Prince Albert, and we uh, were heading west for White Fox, and we picked, the radio uh, sounded uh, that there was a, uh, uh, they were having a, a brunch in White Fox, mm-hmm. and uh, that so, we hightailed it into White Fox and where they were supposed to have this brunch. And uh, 
I asked her, is there anybody here from the 30s? And they said, oh, you see that old chap over there? Well, fine. So I went over to see him, and uh, he uh, had sold a steer to my father. <laughs> wow. Going back a lot of times. Did you remember remember each other? Is that how no, you got no. probably two questions? No, just a few about what it was like at that time because yeah. he knew my father. Uh-huh. And then the girl at the, uh, that was taking the money said, uh, too bad the uh, museum isn't open. We never had a museum. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, and then the other girl said, well, I got the key. When you're finished, we'll go over to the museum. And as soon as I opened the doors to the museum, I knew <laughs> it was my old school. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, that must have been pretty, pretty yeah, neat. It was, it was pretty neat to see, see the old desk, you know, with the inkwell in the corners. And <laughs> yeah, so they kind of preserved it the way yeah. it would yeah. have been. Back in the olden yeah. days. Olden I, days. Yeah. Days of riding horses. <laughs> That's crazy. So besides hockey, what was what was there to do in... Uh... There was nothing. None, yeah. none of the sports were there. There yeah. wasn't enough kids in the town to make a team. Yeah. And so I never played hockey until I came down east and uh, yeah. that. And uh, I uh, belonged to the uh, Sunday morning uh, class, uh, Bible class, and... Uh, we were uh, we were choosing teams basically to what we would be playing on Sunday afternoon and uh, whether it was football or that. I'd never been involved in sports like this before right. in all my life. And yes. that was my first, I was 16 when I first uh, started playing hockey. That's insane. Yeah. Because people nowadays are conditioned that I see a kid in the backyard of your house he's playing hockey yes and people are so young conditioned oh yeah things, obviously you're going to say it's way different of course it was way different <laughs> oh yeah the, I mean the whole idea of just of hockey and all these things was just well it was fantastic and uh, you know all all you wanted to do was to, to play sports and uh, mm-hmm. that it was terrific mm-hmm. and uh, it was an era I think and then uh I never did play junior A. I played junior B and uh, that, and then the coach was uh, our local barber. <laughs> did and you did you find that you did you feel that there's some people are born to do certain things in life, and it was hockey or like I'm. Were you just naturally good at it, or did you have to work uh, very I, hard to skate? No, I, I never bothered me to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I, I wasn't. Uh, I never thought I would be making a living out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all or anything like that, and I think it was my second year, basically, with uh, the uh, junior B, and uh, that I was on the all-star team, and uh, this fellow uh, phoned me up and he wanted to come out. It was Harold uh, or Cotton. and uh, he was a scout for the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. and he said. Uh, that he'd like to see me and that. And uh, he came out, he wanted me to come to training camp for the juniors. And I thought, oh, that's fine. And I said, I can't play anymore because I'm now 20. Right. And uh, that he says, nevertheless, we'd like you to come to training camp and uh, that, and here's a hundred bucks and you and uh, you sign, sign a, a form found out later it was a C form so my pro rights for life <laughs> was oh <there. laughs> really 
But I went to the training camp, and there was about 75 guys that were there, and uh, that, and there's this one big guy. Oh, he had, he had a chest like a whiskey keg that was there, <laughs> and his nose was all broken and smashed in, and I thought, oh, God, I'm not sure I'm going to like this sport and uh, that. But out of the 75, 12 of us were chosen to go to Hershey, which was a training camp for the Boston Bruins. And what we, year was this around? This would be, oh boy, about 40, 47, 48, mm-hmm. something in that neighborhood. Yeah. So went to the there, and it was uh, it was quite an experience, basically. I went each day we would. Uh, be called up the odd uh, guy would be called up to practice with the Bruins, you know, and uh, that. And of course, they weren't in shape yet, which helped. <laughs> and uh, that and one day I got called up and uh, to uh, uh, play with them. And uh, I poke checked the puck away from one of the forwards, and I looked around for somebody to pass it to, and being a defenseman, I couldn't see anybody, so I had to head it down the ice myself. Mm-hmm. And there was a fellow by the name of Pat Egan. He was playing defense. And I hadn't learned to deke yet, so I ran right over him. He didn't appreciate it. I put the puck, missed the net. A few minutes later, almost the identical play came down, and I guess this time he thought I was going to deke. I didn't. I just ran straight to him and banged him up again. And he was an Irish lad. He had broad shoulders and, and uh, that, but he also had some boils on his neck, and I swore that they were going to pop <laughs> because he was, his neck got red. Really? Dick Clapper was the coach at that time, and he said, now, Pat, you play with Ivan, and I had one eye on Pat and one eye on the forward coming in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I suppose, you know, even <clears throat> you look at hockey now about when you watch hockey on the TV now compared to what happened back then, things have completely changed in the game but we can, we can get to it but if it's it's a whole different idea that when i i watched a few old when the when the when was the uh, the lockout oh yeah and they showed old old games yeah <laughs> and it was all rushes it was all rushing to the net there was yeah. no traps there was no pass it in or dump it in no you know you pass pass all past it and you, you had respect for the other guy yeah. Was there, uh, There's no you, did, you didn't try and put him out of uh, commission or this type of deal. You yeah. didn't check him, but yeah. all the checks basically were not against the boards as they are now. They were in center ice, and and it was a clean check. Yeah, and that. Oh, accidents happened. Yes, of but, course. And uh, but there was no helmets. Goaltenders they didn't have a mask. Yeah. It, do you think that that sort of made the game more civilized? in the day when there wasn't helmets, that people weren't indestructible, so to think, or had a uh, false sense of security? Yeah, well, fine. They didn't have a false sense of security because you only carried one goaltender. Yeah. And if he got cut, you had That's 10 right. minutes to get him stitched up and back on the ice, or somebody else had to go in the net. Yeah, so, it's a yeah, whole different meaning different. about playing that. that like, cause now it's they're, they're so padded. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know how much, I don't really follow new hockey nor did i follow old hockey but 
I, yeah. I played hockey as, yeah. as a kid, just shinny on the ice and, yeah. just, you know, pick up or whatever. So. But, but that that was the fun of the game. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, well, like next door here, they have the ice rink in the backyard yeah. and the kids are playing there. Yeah. And I love to see that. Yeah. 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 It's for the love of the game yeah, that's right. that I, I played, and I never played competitively because I thought, this is too much fun. Yeah. Why put, like, a, you know, and that's why I'm not, I didn't go into that really, or there's other reasons why I'm not a professional hockey player. One of it's being talent, you know, but the love of the game, I think, trumps that and is ignored these days about... Yeah. I love the game so much that I didn't want to play competitively. Yeah. So I had more fun clearing the snow off the ice than I did yeah. playing the game. Yeah. Well, it's when I, when I was with Montreal, uh, like I was the fifth defenseman, so yeah. I do, wasn't getting too much work. Which wait, uh, year was this? Sir? This would be 1952. 52, yeah. And uh, that, and I, uh, I went up to uh, see Frank Selke, and I said, Get me out of here. I don't care where you send me, just as long as I can play hockey. So he sent me out to Victoria, B.C. And that was on what team? And that was the uh, Victoria Cougars on the Western Hockey League. Mm-hmm. So Okay, WHL, yeah. Yeah. And that and... Uh, you played a lot then, I guess, because you're yeah. demoting yourself yeah. in a sense, aren't you? And uh, that and I, uh, then I got a letter from him telling me that I was traded, which was strange because normally speaking, if you're traded, the trainer used to leave your skates out of your bag so you knew you were going someplace <laughs> you didn't know where. Yeah. Or you picked up the Globe and Mail in the morning and found, found out that you're traded. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you get the name Ivan the Terrible? Uh, is, it, is this the press that jumped on? Is this early days? Uh, they, they did in New York, basically, that uh, the, the press, I'd have to show you in the basement of some of the uh, yeah. I've read and, some of them down there, and this, yeah. yeah, Ivan the Terrible. Yeah. And uh, so that would have been I, 55. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, also, basically, at that particular point in time, my gloves uh, happened to have the palms out because I used to play lacrosse, too, and I only had one set of gloves, so... <laughs> And it came in uh, very easy as the years went on that uh, the fingers could slip out and grab your sweater, basically, and nobody could see it. Yeah, yeah. And it took Red Story, I think, uh, quite a few games until he happened to be in the stands one night and he spotted what I was doing. (laughs) And after that, he was on my tail. (laughs) Right. And who is he? Who is he in the in the means he was, of? He was a, uh, a referee, an all-star referee. Okay, he was terrific. He was a yeah. football player for the Argos at one oh. time, and an all-star. Mm-hmm. His brother uh, is uh, still alive today, mm-hmm. and uh, that. So there's a rule put in place to say you need clubs that have well, leather that, on both sides. That, that's right. That's I, the rule. That's the rule now. Uh, did you? Is because of you? Well. <laughs> I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no. <laughs> Did you? So you came up with this unique way of being able to grab on the players. Yeah. This is something just because of lacrosse. Well, it's probably because of lacrosse, but also the fact that my hands were large. Yeah, and they still trying are. To, trying to get them into a pair of gloves. Yeah. The trainers didn't appreciate basically my cutting the palms out of the gloves. 
They became yours then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess the whole idea of equipment is completely. Oh yeah, it's a lot better equipment today than they have. Hard elbow pads nowadays. You could break a man's jaw, mm -hmm. but you know we we didn't we didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was all leather, right? Leather, yeah. Yeah. Leather it was soft. Pads. It was soft. Yeah, and it sort of goes back to men playing hockey rather than men dressed up as robots yeah. playing hockey, which are indestructible. That's right. It gives a whole different idea of what the game is. And yeah. we don't even need to talk about the talent with skating or, or, uh, or how people are getting into predicaments or out of predicaments. But it's the whole idea of, I play hockey, you play hockey, we're going to see here next week when we play again. So let's, yeah. you know, I think the same kind of thing happens with what we call the beer league. Yeah. With, with you know, you play your Thursday night and... The people that take it too seriously, they're not really un introduced or invited back because yeah. they're too serious about yeah. the game. Yeah, you want to have fun at it, and sports should be fun, yeah. basically, to participate. Of course, nowadays, uh, they, uh, it's, it's a different game. They skate faster than what we are. They're yeah. bigger than what we were. Uh, I think Camille Henry basically was 142 pounds. If you could have caught him, you could have killed him, but, mm -hmm. you know... Mm -hmm. But uh, and this would be uh, pre-European, Eastern European folk. Oh yeah, coming this over. is still still the original six. Yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. being that I was born in Chicago, I was the only American hockey player at that time in the NHL. That's insane. Yeah. Look at it now. Yeah, Look I know it it's all League of Nations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, we can talk about pol pol hockey politics later on, but I'm sure they're everywhere. It's insane. Like, I just, just my periphery of watching what happens with hockey these days yeah. and how it's it's out of control. Yeah. You know? But so we're looking back at sort of 55. Yes. And you, you how, how did you come to, how did you get from Victoria over to... New York. Was there anywhere well, fine, in between? Yeah, that's when uh, the Frank Selkie sent me the letter and he said he traded me to New York. Yeah. And that's when I went into New York in 53. Yeah. And Did uh, you fly? Please say you flew. <laughs> <laughs> On a plane? Yes. In the sky? <laughs> no buses? This, yeah. Yeah. Well, up to, up to that point. Rode a horse? Yeah. Rode a horse to New York? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... Uh, I flew into New York, and uh, that and the, uh, it, uh, I I enjoyed it. Uh, Frank and uh, Frank Selke was very kind to me, basically, and he mentioned that he would probably regret it. And in some ways, uh, I had a couple of scores to settle, basically, that because you kept track of things in those days. Yeah. If you got a dirty shot. And uh, that, and uh, I guess uh, Locke was, uh, he had speared me in the calf once uh, that was there when I was a rookie with uh, Montreal, and uh, that once you're, is an accident, twice it's not an accident, and he, he did it twice to me, so I didn't get a chance as a rookie, you don't do that to uh, one of your teammates. Right. And so, in essence, when I went to New York uh, the first time in, I uh, 
I knew exactly how he liked to have the puck delivered to him and this type mm-hmm. of deal. So as soon as uh, he got the puck, I was there nailing him, and he went down couple of times and he got a little bit mad at me and came down the ice and he fired the puck at my head and I dodged that and then he kept coming and I thought well he's going to charge me well that's interesting so I stood up gave him a big target and then at the last minute I moved my hip over and he hit that and he slid all the way to the goaltender and uh, I don't think he appreciated he didn't come out on the ice for a period (laughs) And uh, yeah. that maybe that was the start of my name. I'm not too sure. So the whole idea of <clears throat> he was he would have been an older player. Yes. And so the older player coming after the younger player is a form of this is where I am. This is yeah. my turf. Uh, this is my team. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of in a way it's sort of playing dirty hockey sort of keeps you. It could injure you, and you could there goes your career. Yeah. I mean, that happens today, too. Oh, yes, yeah, but that stuff. usually it, it, it happens in center ice. Yeah. It, it's, it's the same way, I guess. It, at one time, Richard didn't appreciate basically my taking him off into the corner, but and uh, that, and uh, one time he was going to swing a stick at me, and he saw that I was ready for him, and he backed off and went down the ice, and a few minutes later... Uh, he was coming out of his own end, and I nailed him, and he went down, and this time he took a swing at me. Well, uh, I grabbed his sweater, pulled him forward, put his head between my legs, and dropped to my knees. <laughs> and uh, he was squirming to get his ears out, and I told him if he didn't stop it, I'd break his back, which I could have just oh, yeah. very easily. Yeah. And... Uh, he stopped, so I let him up, and uh, that, and then that's uh, the old days. You used to go in the same penalty box. <laughs> you imagine discussing that one after? <laughs> oh boy! Well, uh, well, uh, we happen to have Red Story was a referee, and he got a cough to sit between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. For you to be involved in a fight with me, you had to take the first swing, and then I felt I was obligated. Okay. Yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. You've opened the door. Yeah. Now it's time to, uh, yeah. yeah. So, but the whole term goon of like, how did that? You well, know, like goon basically is where you, you just go in and you start slugging somebody for no reason at all. Right, and that kind of happens now if somebody is. Um, well, there, there used to be a couple of guys in the NHL that were like that, but you were always a little bit cautious of them because mm-hmm. they, they could care less. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and uh, most most guys were, well, you kept kept tabs if you got a dirty shot, mm-hmm. and that. Yeah. I I met Ted Lindsay uh, oh, about ten years back at a golf course, and that, and uh, I told him I finally forgiven the two I still owed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that was the way that it was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there's rough hockey was sort of a yeah. Well, I mean, back in say the fifties, if there wasn't a fight, were people upset, or was this sort of the way hockey was a whole different? Because I remember the eighties and the nineties of going to see hockey games. That'd be like, yeah. oh, no fight, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> was that sort of a thing people would expect it uh, to be a, a bit more of a blood sport than 
Yeah, well, I I, th- I think it's a, it's a little bit fight, different fighting now mm-hmm. than what it was. You didn't try and put a guy out altogether. Although I must admit that I think the longest fight I was involved in was ten minutes. The referee just let us go. Yeah, and uh, that wouldn't happen today. Yeah, well, Not unless there's forty of you fighting different yeah. forty other people, you don't know what to do. And right? it all all started from my. This guy had cross-checked my roommate, and I went over to protect my roommate, and he he turned and cross-checked me and split my lip from the nose down. You can see my teeth through. So we had a bit of a Donnybrook. And then finally, when you're fighting that long, you get tired. Of course. And uh, I thought, holy moly, I better put him down. So mm-hmm. then I slugged him, and he went down, and... I sat on his chest and put a knee on each arm, and I'm all set to give him a <laughs> final blow, and Red Story tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, that's enough, kid, and I was never so happy to see him in all my yeah, life. Thank goodness. <laughs> so uh, was that five-minute fighting, or is that... That's that was... it, five minutes fighting. That's it? You're deformed. <laughs> yeah. So someone would be sitting there stitching up your face while you're like getting well, ready to get out of the box. Yeah, I, I think I have... Around 200 stitches, my face alone, and uh, I guess 90% of them were uh, done without Novocaine. You just you went in. Sometimes the trainer would do it. Jeez. There's sometimes the doctors weren't the best at that time. At least they weren't in Cleveland. Like the hockey doctors, or the or the actual doctors, like doctors yeah. proper, like. Well, uh, I I think some of them uh, came in. I'm not too sure where they came in from, but uh, I can remember one time I got cut in Cleveland and uh, went into the dressing room, and the trainer was pretty good at putting the stitches in, but yeah. this doctor came right in behind me, and he looked at my eye, and he said, oh, yeah, I need a few stitches, and terrific. So I put the stitches in, I went out, finished the game, and then uh, went out, had a bite to eat, and then went back to the hotel and I uh, crawling into bed. And I thought, gee, that's strange. I couldn't seem to close my eye. Huh. So I get up and I look in the mirror, and my eyelid was stitched to my eyebrow. So now I got to get it cut out again. <laughs> it's totally stitched. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a botched stitch job. Yeah. Gosh, you know, I think if that was 19. 19- or 2014, you could sue the pants off that guy. Malpractice, yeah, well, you, you, hello. Oh, you, you <laughs> didn't do that type of thing. I bet not, no, yeah. no. So so playing in New York, uh, full stadium, you know, the crowd, I mean, that must oh, yeah. just be so um, invigorating and maybe scary. How, how, how like, your very first uh, time uh, walking uh, out to a big yeah. stadium, how did that? Well, uh, it was when you first stepped on the ice mm-hmm. and that. But once the game got going, you, the crowd was ignored. Okay, yeah. And uh, that there's a few people, basically, that had trouble with it. Uh, Don Raleigh, basically, used to have cotton batten in his ears because some guy was up there that was <laughs> just chewing him out, basically, for the type of play that he made yeah. this type of deal. But, uh, no, as long as there wasn't a break in, in it, you, you didn't pay any attention to mm-hmm. it. No, you just hear, you just hear the... You just, you, you concentrated basically on your, yeah. on your, uh, on your team. Your game. And the game that was there. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Just, yeah, because I, I can equate it a little bit to when you're playing in front of music, music yeah. in front of people, and you have that same, you forget where you're at sometimes. You that's, know? that's right, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. there was there any, like, was there any, because I know it's so commercialized now, but was there any, like, people waiting out the back door, like, hi, and autographs, and must oh, have been oh, all yes. that stuff, they, right? they were at that time, too. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then when I quit hockey, basically, uh, it was 1960, I guess. How old were you when that? Oh, I was about 32. Yeah. And uh, Still young man's sport, right? Yeah. Well, then we had an exhibition game, and we had so much fun at it, there were a bunch of us old fellows. That we thought, well, we'll we'll uh, practice every Sunday and we'll uh, play one one exhibition game a week and uh, that, and then people started writing in and wanting us to appear in their town. Oh wow! And uh, that that we cut out all practice and we played Friday nights and Sunday afternoons and Sunday afternoons we'd take the family. Yeah. We'd drive for to Sudbury for five dollars a man, and that paid for our gas in the car. <laughs> but if you didn't have a party for us afterwards, we didn't come back the next year. We okay. were playing yeah. oh, about 45 games a year. That would be the old-timers league. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. You, really? So yeah. you were very early days of that? Or oh, the yeah, the early first. days of it, and then we turned it over to the uh, younger guys, like yeah. Andy Bathgate and, and uh, Eddie Shack and this type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's a different ball game than we... Well, we lost, uh, I think, 12 games in 18 years. Who would you play, though? Anybody. Anybody. So the young guys or the any team? Any team. Juniors. Yeah. Junior A's, this type of deal. Yeah. We would play them and uh, any uh, any team at all. Like the Harlem Globetrotters of hockey. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, we, we had a fellow that his playing weight was 165 pounds. Yeah. And he now weighed 270. Yeah. And uh, we banned him if he couldn't do his own skates up. <laughs> and uh, he uh, used to, uh, in the third period, he would uh, bump into somebody and go down. Mm-hmm. And uh, our team would all go crowding around him. And Get him up. then we would wave to the uh, trainer to come over with a black box and bring the back box over and uh, that and then a few minutes later you'd see a pair of under women's underwear floating up in the air <laughs> and the vizier and he'd come up w- waving a little b- uh, baby doll <laughs> oh that's so funny well so you had just you had actual shtick you had like a, a little oh yeah a little well show. we 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 played it close we didn't try and embarrass the team right and uh that and of yes. course, because you're all professional players. Just That's right. Doing an exhibition game, and uh, I think yeah, yeah, I used to wear a wig and uh, that, and then uh, one of the fellows would come down and pour a bucket of water over my head, and I'd take my wig off, and of course <laughs> the crowd would laugh, and then I'd get a bucket of water and chase him. It looked like a bucket of water. It was popcorn in it. And okay. I'd throw it up into the crowd. Oh and yeah, yes. Dodge. Old vaudeville stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And that, so that's, you must have done that for quite a while then. Yes, I yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. So in your professional, I've, I know this, but in your professional uh, life, how many goals did you score? In the NHL? From NHL, like let's say 55 NHL, to 60. I scored two goals, Yeah. both against Lumley 
and it's because he got tired of holding his arm up waiting for the shot to come. I had the weaker <laughs> shot in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> but you got it. You got yeah. two goals. Yeah. And that's so, I mean, I, 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 I think that's it's so incredibly crazy <laughs> because for all those years, people, I think if it was people, modern day people, they were like, well, there's no results here. There's no payoff. Yeah. You know, would you say if you were Ivan of equal um, talent, say by today's standards, yeah. and you only scored two goals in five years, what you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Would you? Oh, be, yeah. You wouldn't be here. You'd, no, you'd be moved down the line. Yeah, no, my my job uh, more than anything else was to block shots and enforcing, uh, be be defensive. Yeah, and uh, that and make sure that basically. Uh, they didn't put the puck in my net. Right. Yeah, because being a defenseman, of course, yeah. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, today's standards, how many defensemen score, obviously, less than the forwards, but yeah. they still score. Right? Yeah. There's still a chance, you know. Yeah. Off at me. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have been playing in the era of, like, Tim Horton and all these famous old yeah. Legendary yeah, well, hockey players. Tim Horton, basically, uh, 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 I used to feed to the outside, and he'd end up in the corner throwing the puck away. Yeah. And this one time, I caught Phil Gadsby coming across over to my side, and that meant his wing was covered. Yeah. So instead of feeding Tim to the outside, I fed him to the inside. Mm-hmm. And he was on one leg, basically, and uh, Bill caught him with the shoulder and broke his jaw. <laughs> and then his hip came in and broke his leg on the same operation, you know. And yeah. that was in center ice. Wow. Yeah. And that uh, no penalty because it was a clean check. That's what happened, yeah. yeah. Insane. And that, yeah. is there still clean checks by today's standards? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I'm sure see there is, yeah. Yeah. Of course there is. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, so ring off a few because these like Tim Horton, there would have been, and, and you know, and I wish I was. Uh, Teeter Kennedy. Yeah. Elmer Locke, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Richard L- and uh, Doug Harvey, Jim, yeah. and uh, that big Butch Richard. Mm-hmm. He was a bit of a character. Wallace Stanowski was. I, I played with him. He was my roommate in Cincinnati in the American League. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he had a funny story. He uh, stepped on a hot coin. Somebody had thrown a hot coin on the ice, and he'd stepped on it and stripped his skates, and he was a beautiful skater. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went into the boards and put his foot right through the boards. (laughs) And uh, and he broke the uh, big bone, and uh, that and the small bone at the back of his, uh, the big bone, and and we broke it in about three place, places, so they had to put pins in it. And they didn't think it was going to walk, be able to walk properly. Mm-hmm. And he had a cast up to his hip put on. And about three weeks later, the club told him he could go home. Well, he had his car there, and it had a gear shift on it. And uh, that, and so he didn't want to leave his car there. You couldn't drive standard, yeah. Well, that was the standard. Yeah. So, in essence, uh, I took a Northland hockey stick and cut the blade off and taped it onto the clutch so he could shift gears. Oh, wow. And he, I thought he was coming from Cincinnati to uh, uh, to Toronto, 
and uh, that, and he, uh, his wife was out in Vancouver, so he, instead of driving to Toronto, he drove all the way out to Vancouver, with sh- shifting with his clutch, and My then hand. picked her up, and drove. Thought, well, finally, go down to San Francisco. So he went down to San Francisco. Oh, he's just trying to prove his, a point now. He's well, I don't know what off. he is. <laughs> He had trouble with the hills in China. Bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, double shifting. And then uh, he uh, then came back into uh, Cincinnati, and we were in the playoffs at the time. Mm-hmm. And we had a coach called Clint Smith who had to have total silence in the dressing room 15 minutes ahead of the game and just thinking about the game. Mm-hmm. And we were in our silent mode, and Wally come bursting in on his crutch was through the door, and you just passing through and thought I'd drop in. Oh, oh man. hell broke loose. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, when was this? This, this was... This was, Oh, this was in the American League. Yeah. And this was, I guess, about 51, I guess, 50 to 51. Yeah, okay, yeah. And that uh, Wally was uh, quite a unique. He originally basically played with Toronto, mm-hmm. and he injured his knee... And uh, they took him on a road trip, and he was like the fifth defenseman. You didn't see too much okay. work. And he was sitting at the end of the bench, and uh, I think uh, one of the goaltenders got cut, so they had to get take him to the dressing room to get him stitched up. And half day turned to him and said, get out there and warm up. So Wallace skated around the ice twice and was going to sit down again. Warm up properly, he said. So... Uh, while he gets out, and he's a beautiful skater, nice long strides. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was an organist in the corner started playing a bit of a waltz, and while he got into the stride of it, and the crowd started clapping. And now he, while he pulls a couple of Sonia Hennies, you know, skating backwards on one leg. Oh, gosh. And, uh, and he comes over to the bench. How's that happen? Have to, the old man's upstairs, Connie Schweitzer's upstairs. And he oh, was, boy. He was traded to New York. Oh, <laughs> bad news. Oh, yeah. Bad news. There were a lot of stories like that. Yeah. Uh, including, like, John McCormick. He got married in the playing season. And when Connie Smythe found out about it, basically he uh, shipped him down to the minor leagues. And, she, uh, and so in, on his way down there, Montreal picked him up. And he was on a couple of Stanley Cups with Montreal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Crazy stuff. So, yeah, retired in 1960. Did you, you played some AHL after or did you? No, no. You just. Before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you see, when I went, I was playing amateur basically with Boston Olympics. And then the second year, uh, that I was playing with Boston Olympics, I got a $500 increase. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and then uh, the club went bankrupt basically at Christmas time, and so we had a choice of where to go. And uh, my uh, roommate and myself decided to go to Sherbrooke, Quebec, because mm-hmm. they had a team in the old Quebec Senior League and Eastern Amateur. And uh, it was probably one of the nicest teams I had ever we played against Montreal and beat Montreal 3-1. Mm-hmm. And so they were, it was quite good. We had a colored line, mm-hmm. we had an English line, and a French line. Oh, wow. It was just totally amazing. Wow, when was this? Maybe this would be, uh, oh, boy. Uh-huh. 
about 1949, something like that. Right. So this so, is, yeah, this is yeah. long before the... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, this was still uh, amateur, and and they, uh, they, uh, we got along both uh, uh, really well with the older uh, players that were there because Ray, Ray Berry and myself, we uh, didn't drink at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, our coach basically would uh, have a quart of beer beside our, our. Uh, spot where we were dressing mm-hmm. after the game and uh, that and uh, since we didn't drink we gave it to some of the older players oh so yeah, they, yeah. Currying favor. Yeah. so <laughs> in essence they they uh, taught us an awful lot yeah that was there yeah and uh, which was good yeah and then uh, <laughs> yeah we we had we tried to, uh, uh, you know, quench the thirst because you were losing about five pounds a game, mm-hmm. and we'd try and quench the, our thirst after the game by milkshakes and tea and everything like that. And then one of the old folks said, "Have a a bit of a beer, and you 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 know it'll quench the thirst." So we we finally decided that that's, that's what beer. we were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you never really drink that much anyways no, in your life. No. It wasn't a big thing for you. No. And uh but I bet you there would have been some crazy parties going on. Did you travel by bus or did you have to travel on your own? This is in the NHL days. Did you were yeah. you on a bus? On the bus and trains. Bus and trains. Yeah. yeah. It would have been now it would be planes and buses now. It would be nowadays. It'd be on a plane or something. Yeah. Or, well, we used to would uh, go by train from uh, New York to uh, Montreal, mm-hmm. and we'd uh, have a car to ourselves. And the uh, uh, the uh, customs officials would come on basically at the border, and then by they would be on the train uh, with us until we got got to Montreal, and uh, that. There was one time he came through our car and uh, nobody had any, anything to declare. And then uh, we got off the, at the uh, train station basically in Montreal and you had to go down a flight of stairs and there was a landing and then we had to go down another flight. And Andy Bathgate uh, had his golf course and uh, he had a cardboard uh, box and he had purchased some uh, golf balls down in the stage because they were cheaper. Mm-hmm. He got to the head of the stairs, and the bottom dropped out of the golf. Oh crap! Uh, out of the uh, <laughs> cardboard box, and the golf balls were bing bing all the way down. And the customs officials was down at the landing, and he just looked up and just shook his head and went on. <laughs> yeah, how about it? <laughs> I bet because it would be almost well. It would be, uh, okay, once we open up this can of worms <laughs> of all these crazy hockey players, yeah. we could be here all day, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, see, but you were relatively just a, a nice boy yeah. from Chicago. Yeah. Just traveling around with some of, probably some of these, the craziest people. Yeah, well, they were a close-knit uh, group. When, yeah. When you... Uh, if there's two teams basically on the on the uh, train, say like uh, going from 
uh, okay, from uh, uh, Montreal to uh, Chicago, mm -hmm. and there's another team that was on the on the same train as you were. Mm -hmm. You would walk through that train or through their car, and you wouldn't say hello to any of them. Oh wow! Okay, and yeah. you didn't talk to them. Oh, and you're on the way to the diner, basically that yeah. was there. There's a bit of, but then it would be probably somebody would get traded to that team, oh, and then they'd have yeah, to. Yeah, it's a different feeling again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you're on their, yeah, their, on their crew. Side. That's right. Yeah, that still that still happens too. With, <laughs> yeah, in anything really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with rock and roll bands, do the yeah. same thing. It's like, oh, you're not with us. You know, you're against us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so would you think that you know? It's I always have the sort of. The old timey, like everybody's, you know, shaking hands and doffing caps, and because everybody's in that game. But there was probably some serious competition going on. Oh yes, yeah. well, even at the end of the game, you never shook hands with yeah. the other team. Really? And, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's, that's, yeah. And the management, of course, uh, they were something else because you didn't have an agent. Mm -hmm. You uh, had to do your own negotiating, and uh, mm -hmm. that. And if you had a good year, you got a five hundred dollar increase. If you got a had a bad year, you got cut a thousand. So you know that was uh, the way that it worked. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a tendency to intimidate you. Yeah. And well, when did agents start coming into hockey? Was there Bobby some... Orr was the first one that had an agent. Right. Okay. I mean, he had all the Eagles and. Al wasn't the best uh, lawyer in in the uh, place, but uh, because when Bobby finished with it, uh, he was looking after all Bobby Orr's uh, money. Yeah. And he went in to see uh, Al Eagleson at the end and uh, said, I'd like my money now. And Al, Al Eagleson told him there wasn't anything left. Wow. And, you know, and of course... Uh, it was shortly after that we got into the other part of it, basically, where in the old days they took $900 of your salary. The average salary was 7000 in that area, mm -hmm. and they took $900 of that towards your pension. Okay. And if you had 10 full years in, you could retire at the age of 45, and you had $75 a month, basically, from there. Or if you waited till you were 65, you had $150 a month. Mm -hmm. And then we found out that there was a lot of money left in there. Yeah. And uh, that. And the fellow that was responsible was Carl Brewer, basically, that decided to take it. He had something unique, too. He felt that uh, Toronto Maple Leafs had sort of jiffed him on his salary. Mm hmm. And when he was doing some investigating, basically, with uh, the pension, he found that the Toronto Maple Leafs, basically, had never registered the name Toronto Maple Leafs, so Ooh. he registered it. Wow. And uh, that, uh, so he, they eventually gave him his salary. <laughs> right. And did he hold on to the name of the Toronto, or did he sell no, that? No, no, he gave it back to okay, them. Okay, just as a, I'll hold on to this. And... Yeah, until they pay me. <laughs> wow. Because, yeah, if he would have hung on to that, that would have been pretty in a... Yeah pretty penny yeah. by today's standards. Yeah. And uh, that and the person who helped him with that would uh, be Sue Foster. Sue Foster has, has done a lot of the research, basically, for mm -hmm. that. And uh, 
And it was quite a quite a thing uh, to the uh, getting it all organized and having to sue Al Eagleson basically mm-hmm. that was there and and with all that Al Eagleson uh, basically uh, only spent six months in jail mm-hmm. for all that and the uh, how much money are we talking here like oh millions yeah and uh, that and he still has a place I think over in in England another one and Bolton and another one out on the west coast. Is he still alive? Oh yeah. Let's go. Let's go yeah. see him now. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he lost his. Uh, what is it? Uh, oh, I'm not too sure what the title was, but he he had a, uh, a very exclusive uh, group, basically that. Uh, he was nominated for and uh, received from the government. Okay. And that, but I think he lost that. Yeah. Yeah. So when does, uh, pardon my ignorance, all the big hockey world out there, but Don Cherry is a friend of yours, right? You've known him for all yeah. these years? Yeah, I played against him in the, uh, in the uh, American League. Yeah. And uh, that, and... I think you remember, you told me he wasn't much of a hockey player. You know, I was told you that he wasn't much of a fighter. Much of a fighter, that's right, yeah. Yeah, no, he came down the ice one time and I checked him and he went down and then there was a bit of a melee and a fellow by the name of Harry Paterni was standing in front of me and Mm -hmm. Don thought he would be an an excellent opportunity of going over uh, his shoulder (laughs) and he went over the left shoulder and trying to get me and I went over the his left shoulder and nailed him for well we're still arguing whether it's 10 stitches or 12 stitches but he was out cold anyway so it doesn't make him much one hit. one hit one hit from those meat cleavers you got in your hands <laughs> wow and <laughs> so he doesn't bring that up much on TV for some reason oh I can understand that <laughs> <laughs> well he made a fortune off of just hockey fight videos yeah it sounds like he was uh you know he was a, a very good fighter but he, he liked he, to watch him i guess yeah. he didn't like participate in him very yeah. much well he sounded like he's uh it was a rough tough guy but uh, he wasn't that no 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 and he, so uh, as a hockey player he must have been okay i mean oh yeah pretty well, player. and he was playing for a tough team springfield was uh uh-huh. Eddie Shore, basically, was something else. It was the only thing in my contract, basically, was there is it will not be traded or sold to Eddie Shore. Oh, wow. Is and that your or is that theirs? Your, your negotiation? Yeah. Yeah. Always, uh, basically, it was there. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, I didn't want to belong to him. Mm-hmm. Eddie was quite unique, basically. Uh, Fat Egan, basically, became their coach mm-hmm. uh, at Springfield at one time, and... Uh, that and uh, at the end of the season he was packing up ready to go home and uh, Eddie told him uh, well, fine uh, where are you going mm-hmm. and he said Pat said well I'm going home I'm finished the year and he said well fine you signed a yearly contract you know and so Eddie, showed, Eddie had him painting steel uh, the steel girders basically at 60 feet above the ice surface. Holy crap. <laughs> wow. All summer long. Just to keep him under. Yeah. Keep him there. 
Yeah. Well, it used to be used to be quite unique because, in essence, uh, as a visiting team, you'd come in and uh, the uh, injured players were out parking cars for you. Well, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think an off season were you. Did you have to go find another means of income on oh, your off-season? Oh, well, fine. Within a week of being home, you had another job. Yeah. And it was usually in construction or this t- type of uh, yeah. thing. And uh, that you couldn't afford uh, not to. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the money that wasn't coming in while you're not playing, yeah, you get well, played you, per game, right? Yeah, well, you, you'd spend it all basically all summer long, the, what you'd saved in the winter. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you need to do something. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, and I think it's true. It's like how when you went into a new season, how will you go to training camp? Yeah. How much training would you doing on your own? On oh, your own? we didn't have chance to yeah. do any training on your own. You're uh, always busy working on construction. Yeah. And that's uh, enough. That, yeah. <laughs> that's enough so, training. Yeah. But the uh, the whole thing about well, I'm gonna go. I got to cut some weight and go do two a days and go jogging and these things are all just. Well, you you can afford to now with the salaries they've got. Yeah, yeah. well, you have your own personal trainer. You yeah, carry you along. <laughs> <laughs> you do it for you. Yeah, you pay your trainer to train for you. Yeah, I don't know, but the um. <laughs> I like the idea. Ah, it sounds good <laughs> to me having a personal personal assistant to do that stuff and so how do you feel now about today's hockey and people and the millions and dollars people get offered and. What's your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, don't know. I don't don't think they still have the love of the game as as far as what we were concerned with. Yeah. Uh, I rather uh, watch the uh, juniors play, and that they still have the desire that's there. Yeah. And uh, that and the women's uh, uh, league too. It, it's come a long way. Yeah. And that and it's terrific to see. I think it's more fun seeing people recover from um, mistakes on the ice is, is oh, yeah. probably the challenge. So yeah. I watch, I watched a little minor league um, baseball, and I enjoyed watching that because you'd see them making huge mistakes. Yeah. And how are you going to get out of this? Like, yeah. how is this? You know, you've accidentally, you know, load, you loaded the bases, and now you're screwed. You know, the yeah. big hitters like, what do you do? And, yeah. You know, the same idea that it's good watching more amateur playing because you get to see well, it's not so the, clinical. The un, yeah, the unexpected is there. And yes. that, that's the interesting part. What's going to happen now? Anarchy yeah. prevails because yeah. there's no, yeah, there's no uh, envisioning what's going to happen yeah. based on, yeah, hockey players. I mean, people just, human beings are bigger people nowadays. Yeah. They're just actually, they're bigger. Like, people yeah. just bred bigger. <laughs> and, uh, and so when you, I guess you were before all of the sort of Russian and then the expansion and how NHL just sort of blew up over yeah. the 60s and 70s. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and, but you'd still have some sort of, you'd touch upon, you know, because uh, you guys are alumni of like kind yeah. of a, a Well, there was, an uh, era. yeah, there was 110 hockey players basically in the mm-hmm. NHL at that time. And uh, with the old sixteen uh, league, mm-hmm. and uh, that, and uh, as a defenseman, you'd put in uh, thirty thirty minutes yourself on the ice. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, uh, you know, you'd be uh, lucky if you put in uh, fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, at the same time, uh, I wouldn't have. Uh, uh, <laughs> 
I loved the game at that time, mm-hmm. and it literally would have played for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, that is a true testament of when you love something so much is to do it for free. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, if it's your career, there's, there must have been some, some times where you're like, hey, we're going to go on to the pond. Do you want to come out? And you're like, I'm, I'm just, you're too tired. Or it's like, yeah. is there any times that you thought, or were you always out on that pond playing, even though you were in a professional hockey league? Yeah. Did you ever just sort of just go out and play around? Like, no, we never had time. Were you allowed? Well, were you, you, allowed? Pro- you probably would be, but yeah. uh, there was never enough time. We were always either on the road or on the bus, or yeah, and uh, that mm-hmm. it was. Uh, well, the season wasn't that long. Uh, March the twenty-first basically was the end of the uh, yeah. uh, playing season, and then playoffs started and. Uh, the second week in April, uh, it's all, all finished. Now they're going into June. Yeah, it really screws Coronation Street up. Yes, I know. Gosh. <laughs> CBC, get it together. <laughs> yeah, so you still you enjoy to watch hockey. You were just, were you watching? You? No, I don't watch it anymore. You don't watch it on the TV? No. No? No, because it's a different game. I, yeah. As I say, I'd rather watch the juniors. Yeah. And that, and or the women's hockey league, mm-hmm. and uh, they're both excellent uh, sports. Do you watch the Olympics and things like that? Oh yeah. What do you think about the Olympics and NHL yeah, infusement? Oh uh, well, I have my opinion, but I'd love to know yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, the th- thing that's uh, uh, there is that I think when the Rus- Russians first came over, that was there, and everybody yep. thought we were going to just wipe the area with them, mm-hmm. uh, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And uh, that because the general manager, basically, uh, of the uh, of Montreal had given quite a few of the uh, different uh, uh, drills and this type of deal to the Russians. Mm-hmm. And I know if they're coming over here, they're not going to be, uh, uh, you know... Mm-hmm. Walk over, no, uh, and no. so in essence, uh, they certainly weren't, and it was just basically by uh, Henderson's uh, goal, basically that they uh, won this final game. But also at that time too, the Al Eagleson basically was the one that uh, organized that. He went over to Russia, and he tried to get an interpreter for them to come over. And uh, that, and I said, well, fine, one of uh, your uh, uh, NHL fellows, who I think had played one game in the NHL, mm-hmm. and uh, that had uh, was over there. He was working with Air Canada and uh, that, but playing with uh, a lot of the diplomats and that. And uh, that and... Uh, so uh, Al Eagleson got him to act as an interpreter mm-hmm. to get the Russians over here. And wait, when was this? Wait, 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 air around? In 72. 72. Oh, yeah. okay. How did, how did you, as a, as a player, because I know Russians play completely played, I don't know about now, but uh, played a different game, less shots on goal, um, well, the, more the, of a passing this is game. It. This, is, this is where they got a lot of the drills, basically, from uh, Montreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and then they were playing in uh, 
It's a, the translator basically was Aggie Kuklovitz, mm-hmm. and he was with Air Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, that and uh, then uh, the uh, Russians were playing, I guess, in, uh, I think it was Boston or New York. I'm not too sure which one. And uh, that and the uh, Rangers were giving them a rough time just crashing into everybody. And uh, they uh, didn't want to go on the ice on the, on the second game. Oh. Or after the second period. They say it wasn't. Yeah, because they were just getting, you know, bang, bang, bang. And uh, that and uh, Al Eagleson went into the dressing room and with Aggie and, and uh, said... Uh, because every Russians were getting $25,000 a game plus uh, expenses. Yeah. And and Al Eagleson told him, well, do you want to get your 25000 If not, uh, that's it. So they went out and finished the game. Yeah. That is like, yeah, it's, it's funny the parallels between <clears throat> rock and roll and yeah. hockey. That's <laughs> the same thing happens. Oh, like, yeah. If you want to get paid, you got to get out there and you got to yeah. do what you're paid to do. That's right. Yeah. So your 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 thing about hockey is obviously you don't like seeing this new commercialized crazy. Well, I don't like to to see. You have almost like headhunters out there that are uh, mm-hmm. crashing uh, you against the boards. We. We would get penalties for that. Yeah, running a guy into the boards like that, mm-hmm. and cross-checking and this type of deal. And the dirty playing is it, part of the game now. Yeah, because it's political. Uh, yeah, if you're paying somebody millions of dollars, yeah. your job is to go hit that guy. Yeah, and I, put I, him out. I, I, I don't like that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, I think anybody who who understands hockey for what hockey is okay. should know better than yeah. that but when people have dollar bills flashed in front of their face you kind of have to do what the coach tells you to do yeah and the coach says go take him out yeah that's what you got to do if you don't then you're the one gonna yeah. get put down the bricks you know yeah and no it's true the original question was the olympics in nhl that's where i was going with this yeah so now, when you go watch, it seems like the hockey Canadians and the Americans or whoever is playing in the Olympics. My understanding is that Olympics is for you know, amateur sports. That's right. But why are we getting these contracted players to come and not only just messing up the regular season, but to go play hockey in the Olympics every four years... Why you should make the amateurs play? Like, is there something wrong? Do we need this? Is obviously money based. There's obviously something. There's political it, agendas it, here. It's it's political uh, to a great degree, because in essence, all over the place they're all pros, basically that are there, mm-hmm. and uh, that and England uh, basically used to have a team that would play all in the Europeans yeah. and uh, this type of deal, and it was pro. Yeah. And uh, that, so this is the type of thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And that the amateurs, basically, you'd have to go back to the junior A's before you could have a team. The juniors, basically, if you had just the juniors, so that would be a different ballgame altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess the viewership 
on TV is way better than just having a bunch of no-named players out there. But I still think that's how stars are made in Olympics, right? Because you have like the the gymnast who all of a sudden is now the torchbearer and the people all of a sudden go out and do gymnastics because of this one person, unknown. Yeah. Why can't we have that in hockey? Yeah. Why can't we have that when it's that one star player who played for nobody? Yeah, but here again, you're you're stepping into where that amateur basically is not making any money, mm-hmm. and the pros are making a, a mm-hmm. mint out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, in essence, are you do you want to still be an amateur and make nothing, or do you want to make a fortune? I see where you're going. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a fine line for me with the Olympics and I don't watch the Olympics hockey anymore because it it's like why you know I would rather watch people skiing down a hill because that's yeah it's obviously and I must must admit that this what they're doing on skis is just utterly fantastic crazy, uh, crazy. <laughs> I I to do a somersault or this type of deal yeah. and that just Mind-boggling. Well, the mogul skiing has got so crazy out of hand yeah. over the past 20 years yeah. that it used to be one person would do moguls, jumps, and ballet, yeah. and they would come and do all three or four different disciplines. Now you have a mogul skier and you have a jumping skier, and it's so they're in different. Yeah. different. Well, we've uh, got a granddaughter basically out in BC, mm-hmm. and she's taking up ski jumping, mm-hmm. and she was only 12. She f- doing flips and stuff. Well, you know they they have a regular uh, type of thing. They're learning, you know how you do the big jumps mm-hmm. and you float. Yeah. And how they air oh carriage. the the telemarking ones. Yeah. No. No, the, not the the jump in the you jump in the big uh, big jumps. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah. You Where float. you land and that's right. No poles. No poles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah, I guess it's there now in yeah. D.C. Because people have to go to Calgary to do all that stuff yeah. before. <clears throat> now you don't need to. Yeah. And the weather's better. Yeah. <laughs> do you get out there much to Vancouver? Uh, well, we we try and get out there. Peg's been out there uh, about, usually about every six months. Mm-hmm. We try and either that or they come here. Yeah. And, and Peg uh, is your wife, who is yeah. a lifelong friend of my family's. And, yeah. And we, uh, I'm just... Like we were saying, when did we first meet? And I'm going to say 30 years ago. <laughs> and it was when we're in your, your house now, but it would have been the old house, I think. That's right. Came over for dinner here yeah. on the same property. Yeah, that was wacky, weird times for us because we, who's this man yeah, that's she... dating, you know? And so let's let's talk a little briefly, how you and Peg met. Um, how did that happen? And I, I know, but l- l- just let the people... Well, Peg, uh, 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 I was uh, looking after older people in a in the nursing home, and uh, you owned a nursing home. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Peg, uh, basically, uh, mother came over, had a little bit of Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and she she was in the nursing home, mm-hmm. and Peg used to come over in her lunch hours and do a few dances, basically, with them and. Mm-hmm with uh, some of the residents uh, that were there and that's how we originally met and then uh, one day uh, 
I had a sailboat, and I was coming down to the lake. I came down to the Pickering Beach uh, Road uh, down here to the lake, and and uh, was going along, and there was Peg running along beside the road. <laughs> so I stopped her, and I said, "Well, fine. You would you like to go sailing, and uh, uh, that, and uh, if you do, uh, fine. I'll meet you at the yacht club at five o'clock. So mm-hmm. that's when we first met." Mm-hmm. And we would, uh, that was our first uh, date. Love at first sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And to, yeah, because we, um, and do you, were you married before? Was that your? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were, and when did, when did you first get married? 1953. 53. Yeah. And when was it kaput? Oh, uh, my wife became an alcoholic, uh, basically, that was there. And, uh, mm-hmm. oh, I guess, had to be over 30 years ago, basically, that mm-hmm. we had split up, and I was living basically in uh, in Whitby in the mm-hmm. apartments there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she, is she still alive? Yeah, she's still alive. She's in a nursing home. Really? Yeah. So is she? Is she? Is did the did the booze catch up, or is she? Well, fi- finally, uh, eventually, uh, basically, uh, it was a little bit uh, rough ride, and. Uh, that and she ended up into the hospital and then into an uh, they took her into a nursing home and she became of course they wouldn't allow her to drink in in either <laughs> one of those places and uh, she got straightened out but it mm-hmm. was it was long gone too late yeah. yeah 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 when when did you hang up the skates too for actual just for shinny playing and things like that because i have a incredible i have a story about you playing on our pond oh remember that oh, <laughs> my god ladies and gentlemen <laughs> playing hockey with ivan was he had these awesome little moves where you get the stick behind your back and if you got a little too close he'd flick the stick <laughs> if you're following him too close and you flick the stick and you're like whoa so you were always pulling back a little bit. And I always <laughs> yeah. thought that is that is and fast as anything. And the skates were like still the old nineteen <laughs> seventies skates. And so yeah. when did you when did you make the decision just to sort of say I'm done I'm done with playing for I think, fun? Yeah, uh, it was probably about uh, when I was eighty. Yeah. Oh, just just eighty. And that uh, no, uh, we had an exhibition game at uh, down at Del Cell. Yeah. And we were playing uh, some young lads. Well, they were in their 30s, I guess, 25, 30. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them ran into my knee, and uh, I thought, uh, I think maybe it's time for me to hang it up. Mm-hmm. So that's, what, almost uh, eight, year, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. coming up on... 88. 88? Yeah. Jeez. In, in another month. In another month. Yeah. My goodness. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks very much for uh, coming on the podcast.